Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Uh, my name is Peter Ahn. I am your host. We are excited that you've joined us today. Sua, you're doing well? I'm doing well. It looks really cloudy there in Ohio. Stop rubbing it in. Well, it's cloudy here too, but it's actually a little chilly. Yeah, but we have a very sunny guest today. A super, we have a guest today. The sunshine is here. <laughs> sunshine, all right. Sunshine is here. One of the reasons why we thought we needed to invite this guest was because uh, previous episode, I kept calling Sue Sunita. <laughs> I don't know why I kept doing that. And then I still haven't forgiven you. Afterwards, she said, you know, I think we need to invite Sunita. That might be God's way of telling us we need to invite Sunita. So Sunita, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's good to see you, Sua. Yay, Sunita. We fun. have so much we want to talk about with you, but we, we know we only have a certain amount of time. But uh, I have a I have an opening question. Wait, hold on. Doesn't Sunita need to introduce herself? Oh, that's right. Like, that's right. People don't know who she is. I Sunita, mean, the people who, who go to Metro Sunita, do. who are you? Who are you? Talk, explain talk to Explain to us you? what makes you the so great amazing. Sunita. Oh, my goodness. So I am, um, I am Sua, uh, Sua's predecessor. No, you're my predecessor. <laughs> Wait. So you're my yes. predecessor. Um, I am on staff at Metro Community Church as the pastor of Justice, Advocacy, and Compassion. And I also run the uh, Metro Community Center, um, both in Inglewood, New Jersey. Pastor Peter is our senior pastor. You are amazing. And uh, like there was episodes in the past that we've talked, I've had to actually talk about you uh, in a couple episodes because, you know, I, there was a moment, and you know this, Sunita, because we've talked about this, and we actually preached about it together on the pulpit on Easter, this past Easter, about I, how I started to get jealous, you know, of you and stuff like that. And, and We're and all we, jealous. Yeah, Sunita. we're all a little jealous. No. But, you know, Sunita, yeah, I want to ask no. you a question, and this is yeah. not an everyone question. We, we'll come to that a little later. But, Sunita, how, does it annoy you, um, or are you still flattered when people kind of introduce you as, like, Sunita Ponton, the Ivy League pedigree, like, <laughs> Columbia, Harvard Law, Duke, you know, that kind of stuff. How do you feel about that? Uh, like, do you get tired of it? Like, come on, talk to us about it. Cause, cause maybe we will, we will listen to what you, what, what your preference is. Yeah, if I was Sunita, I would never have the dream of not knowing where I'm going you, you, in the middle know, of I, the night I, because I, I, I would have succeeded never, in every way. I, I, <laughs> I can I've never seen you wear any Harvard swag either. You don't really have Harvard swag. I'm not sure. I guess they say like when people who've graduated at Harvard, they don't really wear Harvard swag. I don't, I don't see you wearing that. No, I, I feel like I paid so much for it already. Like, I feel like it should be free. It should come with a degree. But apparently this is not what Harvard thinks. So I have I have one T-shirt and one sweatshirt and like, that's it. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think that um, it depends. I'll say this. Most of the time, it actually makes me feel a little self-conscious because then I am more concerned about what happens when I mess up or like call oh, myself Sue's predecessor when she's actually my predecessor. <laughs> like, I, I see feel how like, it is, Sunita. I see how you really When think. I mess up, they're like, did she really go there? Um, but I have to mm. say, and this is like, you know, the part of me that still needs to be redeemed, um, that there are spaces where I'm like, yes, I did go there. Thank you. Yeah. And um, that's awesome. But that's not often. That's not often. And certainly not at Metro because Metro, you know, Metro's family, Metro's school. All right. All right. And good. Let's not forget she hails from Inglewood. Yeah. Which I think is a huge part she, of it too. She is like, yeah, yeah. Like you walk on the streets, you walk on Palisades Avenue with her and you realize she's kind of like a celebrity walking through the streets. She's like, hey, how you doing? Everyone's coming out of the stores. Hey, Sunita, how you doing? And I'm just like, oh my God. It's a small community. Everyone, everyone. It's a small community. Everybody knows everyone. 
you know, you're the darling of Englewood. You were the, you know, the, the poster child of, of success. So anyway, it is really wow. good to have you on Sunita and we're going to, we're going to see if we can embarrass you a little bit, but here's the question that I have for the three of us today. And I'll go first because I thought about this, but you haven't, I need you to share something that you did within the past, let's say like, like within the past year. Okay. Where you know it was wrong. Like what you just did was wrong. I don't want to say the word sus because I think that's the wrong way to use it. Actually, you know what I did before this recording? I actually looked up what does the word sus mean? So I don't <laughs> To make sure you're doing it right? Yeah, well, no, it was a little suspicious, a little suspect, you know, perhaps something that you did that you know like was embarrassing and you're like, oh shoot, like I hope nobody saw me. Like, or, or, or you try to really cover it up, all right? It could be a sin, you know, whatever, whatever it could be. So let, let, let's get to this true confession time, all right? And I'm going to go first. And uh, I'm, I'm actually very, um, I, I'm not happy to share this, but, you know, in light of trying to, you know, this is the show that we want to be vulnerable and, you know, look at Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. So uh, we had uh, Holy Week this, this past year, right? You remember that, Sunita. Yep. and. The Holy Week is basically every day for for the week uh, that leads up into Easter. We have morning services at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. at our church office. And so for the past year or so, we didn't have a church office because of the flood. And so we just leased a new office. And it's not renovated yet, but yet we were still able to meet in there uh, for Holy Week service. And so... I think it was I think it was Good Friday. Yeah, I think it was Good Friday service. I had to get to the office a bit earlier because you know I had to turn the heat on because it was a little cold and stuff like that. And we were meeting in the warehouse. Remember that, Sunita? We had to meet in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a little bit of a crazy driver, and I was late. And I, I wanted to make sure the you know the the heat was on. You know when people would come, it wouldn't be so cold in there. And it was actually a pretty mild day, so I really shouldn't have been in such a rush, but I was. There was a person in front of me. Oh my gosh, she was driving so slow. So slow. Like super, super. Was like, it an old lady? No, it was killing me. So I was high beaming her from oh, the back. I was high beaming her. Here we go. And and I do believe I probably honked at her once. Because what if she's just, going to service with you? Well, that's what she was doing. Oh, my God. She was oh, going. No. So I'm like, so oh, as we were driving, no. I was like, holy smokes. Oh, wait no. a minute. As we were getting closer to Englewood, I was like, oh, no. I think this woman oh, no. is going oh, to the church with me. Oh, my God. And, and then she was. And you know what I did? Oh, God. She pulled into our church oh, parking lot. You know what I did? I didn't pull into the church parking lot. You know what I did? <laughs> I kept driving straight on Forest Avenue. So that she wouldn't <laughs> that know because I would have move. to get out of the car. And she would be like, Pastor Peter, that was you. How dare you? So I felt so it was Good Friday. Jesus oh died on that day. Gosh. Trying to remember oh it. And I was in the car. I was like, golly, I hope nobody saw this. I hope nobody saw this. I felt so ashamed. Uh, I felt terrible about what I did. And I didn't really need to get there that early. First of all, I don't know why she got there that early. But I was like, you know, I need to be the first one in there. So I'm like, why are you here so early? Like, you shouldn't even be here this early. But uh, that was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. And uh, I, I realized who it was because when she made the left turn into the parking lot, I passed her by and I looked and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> 
like, oh no, I'm oh, not going to say who it was. You better but, hope she not li- doesn't listen to our podcast. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's true. Oh my goodness. Yeah, she's yeah. going to be like, oh, oh my gosh. Let's, that let's was hope. Peter. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But that was, that was a real, um, Jesus died on that day. And I felt like there was a piece of me that died a little bit because <laughs> of uh, my sinful ways. So he died for our sins and yet I sinned that day. So that was something I'm certainly not proud of. And it was a little bit hard. I just couldn't believe she was going to church because she was far. She was really far from the office when she was driving that slow. And I mean, I you know, that was like God kind of playing a joke on you, like, or kind of making no, you just saying, bro, revealing just your down. inner yeah. my inner darkness. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's something that I did recently. I'm recently. It was Good Friday, so that was uh, several months ago. That I am not proud of. So, I share. I humbly share that with our audience and to you too. So, you two, you two, like quote unquote, you know, Sunita, we're trying to we're trying to kick off that halo over you today. So, what about you? Anything, Sua? What about you? You both, you guys both have like halos over you. You guys don't do anything don't like kind halos, of but... something that you regret. But come on, Sua. The one that you shared a couple of weeks ago um, about, man, that about your what? daughter and the Costco pizza thing, that was amazing. Okay, I don't Absolutely. even think it was that bad. I just feel like you're <laughs> that, making it sound so way worse. I, I'm than... still thinking about that. I would never, ever have done that. Like, Sua, I, that, that was... That, yeah, so, Sunita, so basically, I didn't, we that. didn't have enough cash to buy a Costco slice of pizza between John, me, and my older daughter when she was like one yeah. or two. So we bought one slice for the three of us. John and I ate the pizza and we gave Lila the crust. And he thinks this is that <laughs> terrible. Sunita, that, that, Sunita, don't you agree with me? That is like so not maternal. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, what parent? <laughs> What parent does that? What parent would she you know, was only two? She had a long life oh, ahead of her. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Our that days was, are numbered now. I, I couldn't believe that answer. That was something That's else. So I, that was a shocker. That was a shock. Oh, anyway, so let's go. You two. Uh, yeah, I come think Sunita should go. I'm. I'm still thinking. I don't know, Sunita. I'm, you got anything? I'm still thinking too. I. I'm trying to think of come something on, specific. I am certainly so like, like while you were talking, Pastor Peter. Though I was thinking, like, if I were the person in front of you, I would have slowed down. Right. That's, Even more. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you hate just got annoyed. Mm-hmm. I hate when people mm-hmm. like flash yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. try to do that to me, I will slow down. <laughs> yep. yep. I, Oh, I'm the worst. I don't like people cutting. Oh, when you were driving <laughs> and I went in the back. <laughs> so we went, we went, we went to our worship leader's house. She made us breakfast. It was wonderful. Pastor Peter driving the church van. We're all in the church van. And he's an aggressive driver. I never yes. realized that. Yes. And we're in a church van. Yes. So he's like going in and out of lanes, driving <laughs> yep. up to the front. Sounds about like, right. <laughs> right. Driving yep. up to the front mm-hmm. and like, um, you know, um, c- cutting in. And I was like, nah, if that were me in that car, I would be like a half an inch from the car in front of me because I hate when people jump in front of me. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> no, I, I, I am with yeah. Sunita. I'm with Sanita. I'm a bad driver. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty aggressive. And but it was so would... funny because I didn't know people really thought I was that aggressive. Like Isaac was going crazy in the van. He was so scared. I'm like, dude, like it's not that bad. But I guess it was pretty I don't bad. know if you no, would I'm be okay in yeah. Ohio though because people here, so like my sister-in-law came to visit me a couple of weeks ago and we were behind one of the, we were behind two cars. And you know, sometimes they have the green arrow telling you to turn right, yeah. like you, you have the right yeah. away. But I guess the car that was all the way in the front didn't see it. So he didn't go. 
And then the car behind him also was like, well, I guess he's doing something. So he just sat there silently and the light is changing to yellow. And oh, I'm just sitting there like, I'm sure they know what they're doing. And Judy, oh, my sister-in-law my goes, Sua, can somebody honk? I'm like, yes. this is just the Midwest. Yes. We just kind of <laughs> let it go. Nobody's honking. Because it takes yeah. forever for that arrow to turn green yeah, but again. I feel like this is the, it's cultural. Like here, nobody honks. We're just like, well, oop. That person must be oh putting their makeup on. Like, we're just oh kind of like, whatever. You could not survive here. I couldn't survive. Yeah, could I couldn't survive. survive it. No, I couldn't. So, uh, anyway, there's a part of me that really does like driving in the city because everyone's so aggressive in, in New York City. You got so a I'm thrill like, out of it, don't I'm you? I'm with my peoples. I'm with my people. Like, it just these are the people that I like to drive with. So, anyway. All right. So, come on, girls. Right. Come on, ladies. You guys got to have something. Come on. Something that you did that you weren't kind of proud of. Like, I mean, maybe you took like a, an, you know, like you took six lemons and you told the cashier you only had five. I mean, come on. Like, I something. mean, I do stuff like that, but it's not on purpose. And so then the next time I will go and pay for it. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Sua. Because I feel very guilty. Oh, Lord. Okay, so this this is this is a bad question. Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like that, it's between, you know, I feel like it's like that, between God and me. If you it needs to be that, right before the Lord. Yeah, this might not this might not have been the right question. <laughs> I mean, I do things that are questionable all the time, tomorrow. but they're like towards me. So, for example, when I used to mm. work in the hospital, like there was one time I dropped a sandwich like face down off on a hospital floor, and I just picked it up and ate it. Um, and people what? get really grossed out that's by this. Nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. Um, well, the hospitals are really nasty. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's nothing. But that's... I'm like, whatever. Like you know, so things like that. But so I don't know. What, I'm trying to. You never. Oh, like, well, this is not recent. I can think of something. This is not recent. Though. Got something. All right, it's all right. Just give me something like ten years ago. Like yeah, yeah. This, right, is this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. But I think about it all the time because all right. now I have to go. Come on, senior. It's like the one later. time she did something bad, so she no, no, no. It's not the time. Yeah, but because because I can be like spiteful in like very like small ways. So I had I was petty. give us the petty stuff. Yeah, it was very petty. Yeah, give us the petty stuff. Take us to your dark side. Yeah, I was in the laundromat, and and this is in college, and you know how like. You, you know, you time your, your laundry. Yes. And so yeah. I had timed it and like I went down there and I guess the dryer had stopped, but like the clothes were hot. The clothes were still hot. And so whoever was there before me took my clothes out and oh, was standing on top no. of the dryer. I hate that. Clothes are still like flaming hot, oh, right? They're no. still hot. And so I just opened up the dryer door for whoever the last that person was. And so the time left, but the you know, like they lost their time, <laughs> but their clothes didn't get dry. I love it. <laughs> what? That's fantastic. Where were you? Where were you? This was in college, but I think oh, about it all the time. That is okay. Do you think okay. about it because you're so like proud of yourself? No, you feel bad, right? You feel bad. I feel bad. You see, but, but slightly kind of like they deserved petty. it. Yeah, I can be very, very petty. Because wow. I was just like you know, like, why did you touch my clothes? They were still hot. I so, think that's like, I fair, like, though. That's no. fair play. Why did, that's, I mean, they, well, why did they touch your clothes first? It's all about who did it first. Isn't that, yeah. isn't there something in the Bible that says, like, if somebody strikes you, you should strike them back <laughs> for sure? Harder? I didn't touch their clothes. I just, like, they just, oh, you just, okay, yeah. Well. Sua, you know, there's also a pass. there's also a passage in the Bible <laughs> where Jesus says, if your child is hungry and what parent would ever not give your child food, the Pizza? child food, if, if your child is hungry, <laughs> except for you, you and John would eat and give your kid a crust. We but, came home and gave her food. All right. So, Sunita, here's the deal. That's as bad as it gets for you. Wow. Okay. No, I know there's more, but I just can't. No, there's it right not now. more. There's not more. And uh, it's, it's okay. Plenty. It's so. 
it's okay that uh, out of the three of us, I am the most. Uh, I am the the most darkest. Well, you are the weak here. pastor. I am the weak pastor. No, I'm, but I'm I, I have. Pastor. But you know, I'm such a chicken when it comes to. Um, so, uh, I feel very. I, I have a very low threshold for being able to hold on to like feeling guilt. And my my older daughter has. I think it's a temperament thing because my older daughter inherited this to the point where I actually had to um, text message Stephanie Sai Kim, the psychologist at what, Metro, and be like, "Do you think my daughter has like a moral OCD? Because she went through this weird thing where every time she would do something bad that made her feel guilty, she would feel the need to confess it to me." And it wouldn't go away until I would tell her that's fine. But it was like stupid things. So, no, no, no. But every single day she would do like 10 to 12 things, confessing them all to me. And finally, I was like, there's something weird here. So I had to message Stephanie and be like, she's a child psychologist. And I said, Stephanie, is this weird? She goes, there's totally a thing. Like that's a moral OCD. It's an actual wow. disorder. Oh um, and she said to watch out to see if it gets worse or better. But if well, it gets to a point where it, she can't function because of it and it's crippling, that's an actual disorder. It's like an actual diagnosis. Does she get that from you, you think? I think it's from me because yeah, I, I would always feel very like I couldn't even lie to my mom about staying like one time when yeah. I was in college, John and I went to Binghamton yeah. to pick he up his this. Yeah. transcripts. I had to call my mom to be like, we can't drive back because there's a monsoon. So I'm going to stay in a hotel, but don't worry. I won't do anything, but I just needed you to know so that you don't think I'm lying. Like I can't do it. It makes me feel very guilty. Wow. Okay. And I think it's like something's wrong with me. I'm not saying it to uh, be like I'm a great person. I think I just have a very low threshold for doing yeah. things and feeling well, guilty about you it. You know, you both have a very low threshold to do anything like bad, you know, or like evil. So, yeah, like that's that's really uh, interesting for both of you. Like, <laughs> I feel a little out of place right now. I'm going to be quite honest. I don't feel like I should be on this podcast Justine, today. Yeah, we're interesting. Because uh, Sunita, the, the worst thing Sunita did was like when she was in college. <laughs> She just opened up the dryer. Like I would have maybe taken some of that clothes out and put it someplace else, like the wet. Yeah, that's clothes. what I thought she was gonna do. Like put it like <laughs> open on the, the floor door. or something. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's you guys. You guys are man. You. So I'm good. sure there are other things. I'm sure if you no, brought, there's nothing. Like my friends, they could tell you plenty. No, that's just the, that's right now. no, no. There's like you both say that, but you know that you say. I'm sure there's other things, but there isn't. That's the thing because you would have known. Like you would know if you did something wrong or bad or something like that. But it's okay. It's okay. Let's listen. It's it's all right. I feel like I, you feel. I feel like you seem a little deflated. I feel a little deflated. You I'm seem to get a some real good junk. You know, like you know, I'm kind of a, a guy that has high expectations. I was hoping to get something and i'm like oh this is great but i'm like really? maybe That's you should it? share another one it's <laughs> and, and, and sua you literally have nothing sua you never like got road rage or anything like that no because i've seen you the way you drive i am the person car who car people car. get road rage at yeah yeah, no, I've seen I'm, you not, drive. yeah. <laughs> I'm not the person who road i have no right to road rage people are road raging at me because i am the person going like 30 yeah um, yeah, yeah and sunita you got to know when she like she picked me up at the airport one time. Oh God, here we go again. <laughs> she looked he like never tires of telling she, like the, the steering wheels here. She's like driving like this. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm driving. I'm like, that's not driving. That's just that's weird. I like only old people do that. But anyway, all right. You have an old well, spirit. That, that's enough about sharing today. But we got hopefully uh, there'll be some more sharing later He'd be on. He's so disappointed right I'm now. So like, look at his face. Right now. He's so disappointed. Right. <laughs> I, I thought this was a great question. I thought our audience was going to get some good dirt on both of you, but obviously not because they they have enough dirt on me. But now uh, I'm I'm the only one who revealed the dirt. So anyway, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but we're gonna do today's. We're gonna Cindy. We, we love having you on here, and we want to talk a little bit about uh, women in ministry. 
And I, this is a big thing. And, you know, for us as a church, it's a real important issue for us. We want to make sure that we do our best to affirm women pastors. Uh, but over the years, since you've been a pastor, you've been a pastor for a while now. So sort of how, how has it been? How has, how has it, how has it been for you as a woman pastor to be in a profession where the majority of the, of the pastors are men? How has that been for you? Has it been a challenge? What was some moments when you were just like, God, that is so sexist? Oh, that's a lot. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so, well, you know, so I, well, I'll say this. My experience is probably different from a lot of people because the church that I came out of, yeah. my pastor affirmed me in ministry. And mm-hmm. I didn't think there was a different way, except this is what I later found out. And I have to, I, I haven't spoken to him about this, so I hope it's okay for me to share this, but, um, but it's growth. So when I um, went into ministry, yeah. um, I ended up talking to a woman who used to go to my church and she was really good friends with my, my mom. She had been like a Sunday school teacher. She was a, um, she had helped with youth ministry, like all these things. And then at some point, I don't know if I was like in middle school or high school, at some point she just left the church and I never knew why, but like her and my mom were still friends. So I would still see her. Well, fast forward, I'm in seminary and she tells me that the reason that she left the church was because my pastor at the time didn't believe in women in ministry. Mm. And I was like, what? Wow. This was the same pastor who ordained me and like made sure that by the time he retired, that like I was totally set up for whatever would come my way. So she was actually, you know, like the person who helped kind of like pave the way for me at my church. And I had no idea, like they kind of kept it, you know, like really quiet, but she left because um, she's a, she's a pastor now in North Carolina, but she, she left wow. because he didn't believe in women in ministry. So he evolved then. He evolved. Yeah. Eventually he evolved, which is, I think that's great, yeah. you know, because I think there can be an evolution for men or, and even for women. Cause sometimes women are just as strong about women not, uh, being against women being in ministry yeah. uh, than men are sometimes. Uh, I've 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 been in circles like that before, and it's just a shocker for me. But that's just the reality of it. But okay, so he evolved. He evolved, yeah, he and eventually evolved. he ordained you, which I think that's huge. Yeah, it was huge. Um, and I remember, like, well, this I feel like everything is before COVID. So um, I don't remember when it was, but at some point before COVID, I was guest preaching at a church, and after the sermon. Um, one of the ushers said to me, this woman wants to talk to you. And so I go and I like, I go and I sit with the woman, the woman's crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, like, does she want me to pray with her or something? Yeah, yeah, Older yeah. woman. She says to me, when I came in the church and I saw that a woman was preaching, I almost walked out. Wow. Like, but I was, she was like, but I was here. Nice. I was with my daughter. Like, I, I'm just here now. She's an older woman. And she said, I don't believe in women preachers. She said, but this is the first time that I understood this sermon. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Like I just hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me that people still think this way. Right. Yeah. You know, like it just didn't. I'm always constantly surprised that like people still think this way. But there have been times when I remember in seminary, we went to um, we were gonna go to some conference or something. And one of my one of my guy friends at the time, he told me and another woman like not to come. We were like, why are, why shouldn't we come? He was like, the pastor is sexist, and like not only is he sexist, he's kind of like grimy, so he's probably gonna try and hit on you. Oh, and I was like, 
oh my goodness. So then I also started thinking, well, then why are you going to the conference? But that's a different story. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah. So there are these like weird moments, but I still feel like so oblivious to it. Because- Is that right? Okay. Well, so then that's great then. Cause it, it, I guess it hasn't been your experience. Um, it hasn't that- been my direct experience, but I've seen it play out in like, no- very, very weird ways. Sunita, uh, is that probably, and maybe Sua, you can answer this question better, but you know, but it might be harder for you to answer this, Sunita. Do you think the reason why that might be the case is because you're so gifted at speaking and preaching? Because some women pastors might just be like, well, you know what, I'm a pastor, but I've never really had the opportunity or the platform to really preach and, and, uh, and just do ministry and the opportunities that I get are far less than if, if I was a guy, I would have a lot more opportunities. I mean, just, I, I don't know if that's resonating with, with you, Sunita, or even with you, Sua. Like, I don't, I don't know um, if you would agree with that. Maybe, maybe one of the reasons why you're a little bit, um, you know, kind of unaware of it a little bit or oblivious to it a little bit is because you have such outstanding communicational gifts and preaching gifts that I think a lot of churches want you to come and speak, you know, at their church conferences and stuff like that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, I don't think so. So I have a, I have a really good friend now who, um, who's, you know, candidating for a church. And mm. I think one of the reasons that she hasn't gotten it yet is because she's a woman. Yeah. You know, I was talking to another woman um, just last week. Wonderful woman. She's a pastor in the Bronx. And she said the reason she got that church is because two other men had to tell their search committee that she was like a qualified candidate. Mm. So she needed to have male advocates who would call the search committee and say, you better hire her because, you know, she's amazing. And, you know, so I think it's still, I see it all the time. Um, And it's sad. It's so, so sad. Can I ask you something? I'm not sure if this is going to come off the way I'm intending. But when I was growing up and I grew up in a Korean church context, I feel like I never saw woman pastors, like mm-hmm. ever. I mean, maybe yeah. that's partly because also I grew up in a Presbyterian context, like a very conservative Presbyterian context. But I will tell you, I had a lot of black friends whose moms were pastors. And is this actually a thing or am I completely deluded in thinking that there are definitely more woman pastors in the black churches than other churches i mean not to say that makes it not sexist or that there is no sexism but it do you do you guys feel like it is more um prevalent in the black historically black churches that there are more women speakers or women in like leadership or am i completely hallucinating that no i don't think so i think it comes like i don't know if this happens in korean churches but i know like in black churches there are lots of different titles for people so you can you can definitely have pastors, but then you can have like apostles and evangelists and like mm, yeah. all these other people who have these titles yeah. who do the same function as pastor or mm. preacher, but don't have that title of pastor. Interesting. And that's right? intentional. Yeah. And I think so I didn't I mean, obviously my pastor had followed by the time I came along. But sometimes even at some of the women that I listen to now who I love, like they'll call themselves Bible teachers. They don't call mm. themselves preachers. Okay. Okay. Or they call, or they're an evangelist, or they're not a pastor. But they're not a pastor, right? Not right. A preacher because right. they can't, you know, they can't possibly be a pastor or a preacher and preach to men and women. You know what I mean? Or women and men, I guess I should say. 
so interesting. Yeah, that's my. I don't know. I don't okay. know. If you've seen Pastor Peter? No, it's interesting uh, because so. I mean, for one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Sunita, is or, or just your reflection, or what would you like to say to you know our audience, maybe to some who some men or even women who do not believe women should be in ministry. I mean, there are some texts in the pastoral epistles uh, that talk about women should not have authority over a man uh, in the church, things like that. Like, I mean, what are what would you like to say to our audience, some of the people who might actually have a very conservative uh, view on that? What would you like to say to them? Keep it real, girl. So many things. Um, <laughs> um, so I think I think there's biblical um, foundation for women in ministry, right? Women as preachers. Not only do we see Peter talk about it in Acts two, right, and he's quoting Joel, right, that the the Holy Spirit will come and it um, and will fall on your sons and your daughters and your sons and daughters mm-hmm. will prophesy, right. But then you also see after the resurrection, the first women that Jesus, the first people that Jesus, Jesus encounters are women, mm-hmm. right? And he tells them to go yeah. tell the disciples mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I'm alive, right? So I think there's plenty of precedent in the Bible for women in ministry, for mm-hmm. women preachers and pastors and teachers and kind of all those things. And I think it's, you know, this is cultural. This is, this is, you know, this is sexism. Like just call it what it is. And we want to keep people in a certain place. That's yeah. what, and we've done a horrible job, unfortunately, of cleaning the church of sexism. And I think we've also done a really horrible job of men who are, and Pastor Peter, this does not include you. And I'm not just saying this because you're my pastor, but I really do think it's true. Um, men are not real allies. Mm. They're like when you have, you know, when they have opportunities and positions and platforms, are they inviting women into those positions? Yeah. Or, or are they only just kind of hanging out with their, you know, men friends? So I think there's, I would hate for us to miss the movement of the Holy Spirit because sexism has gotten in the way. Right. And, you know, I've said this at other po- uh, uh, previous podcasts before, but <clears throat> to understand the New Testament church, I think what we have to realize, because when you look at those pastoral epistles uh, where Paul does say in Timothy and in Corinthians, Second First uh, Corinthians, where women should not have authority over a man in the church, so on and so forth, uh, you know, Paul writes these letters out of a very contingent situation. Women yeah. had such a high place in the church. Women were able to lead in the church. And back in the first century, that was unheard of. And historians will say that the early church, the reason why it succeeded, of course, the Holy Spirit, the you know, God, the apostles, yeah, they were huge. But they they contribute to success of the early church to women. Women flocked to the early church because it was the only institution that embraced them, that allowed them to serve and lead. Uh, the Jewish faith, women were not even allowed to, to learn of the Torah, right? I mean, they couldn't even do that. But the church early on was really a place, a sanctuary for women to take leadership. Now, what was happening in some of these situations, like in the church of Corinth, was that these women were not being properly discipled, and so they were leading in a very destructive way. And so Paul was speaking out of a very contentious situation where he 
she uses the word authority, not like the typical Greek word authority, the authority that we would um, would appropriate to God, the word exousia, which is the proper way of authority, which is healthy authority. But he uses the word rather uh, of authority that is equivalent to like the authority of somebody having a gun, uh, the authority of the power of diamond, di- dynamite, where when you blow up a dynamite, it just destroys. And so when Paul was saying that specifically, that women should not have that kind of authority in the church, he was talking about, you know, leaders, women leaders that were being destructive in the church. And so it was out of a very contingent situation. Paul did not mean that women should not be leaders in the church. It was really a specific situation there. And I think that needs to be cleared out because I think there's a lot of uh, Christians that don't fully understand the context, the historical background to those texts. And that's why they read that and they feel like, well, women shouldn't be leaders in the church at that capacity. I think that's so tragic because Sunita, like, and Sue, I think it's so tragic that a woman who is gifted by God cannot lead in a church or cannot be a pastor because they don't have a penis. I mean, I think that's ridiculous when you think about it. Like, it really is an absolute ridiculous thing to think about that. Why would God make that a requirement? Of course he didn't, because you look at the Old Testament and you read somebody like Deborah, who was a judge. I mean, she was the end-all, be-all, you know, for the Israelites back in her day. You know, Esther and how she saved the entire nation, her people, God used her leadership. So I I think it's really important for us to realize that and remember it. And uh, when we look at those kinds of texts and to speak and, and try to help people to understand deeper what those texts are really about. But when you look at the whole Bible you know, you find that there is really an affirmation of women. Uh, not a lot because, again, a very patriarchal society back in biblical times, but you find that there is so much, like, theological, biblical antecedent passages that affirm women in ministry. And I think that's really important. That's key. Can I ask you, Sunita, like, since we're talking about ministry and, um, you know, being a pastor, what, when did you decide? Because I'm looking at your, um, you know, your, academic endeavors and it seems like it, there was a bit of a detour there <laughs> at some point a, when a you, major detour yeah i mean <laughs> yeah so i just wanted to you know ask you what how did that come about like when did you feel like because you knew what it, i mean maybe you didn't know what it was going to be like to be a woman specifically in ministry but when did you decide like you know what maybe ministry is what i should be pursuing um what did that look like for you um yeah so yeah huge detour yeah. I was in. I was actually like in my third year law school, and oh, so um, you were in law school. I was in. Wow. Law okay. School. Okay. I was really. I was in law school. I was trying to decide like on a job after graduation, and sort of like praying. And it was in. It was the Lenten season, so mm. I'm, I was um, fasting, and um, I really heard God say ministry, and. Mm. Um, and that was a huge detour for me because I, yeah. like, I was literally yeah. in law school, like pursuing right. that right. career. Right. Um, and then God, you know, made me turn a different way. And so it's kind of been a roller coaster ever since. But that's even more the reason why I believe in women in ministry. Mm-hmm. I know it's not mm-hmm. your segue. It's because I did not choose this. Mm-hmm. Like this was God choosing me for this ministry. Yeah. Because had I chosen something, I'd be a lawyer right now. Right. Right. And so when I think about like. God calling people into ministry, like he blows up our, our plans. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't choose to be a woman minister. God chose me to do this. Um, and so like, who am I to allow a man to stand in my way? Mm. Right? 
I love and that. who is a man to try to stand in the way of God's plan? Right. I love that. Come on, girl. That's awesome. Oh. I love that. C formation. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so listen, uh, Katie Cole wrote a really interesting book. She wrote a book called Developing Female Leaders. And she's an executive pastor of a very, very large church. And this book has really gained a lot of traction, I think, amongst a lot of uh, amongst Christendom, a lot of Christians, particularly women, but also men reading this. One of the things that she says, and I want I, I want to see if you agree with me, Sua and Sunita, and Sunita, uh, because you're an ordained pastor, she says that it's really important that um, that men that every female leader, female pastor, they need one or two men at a higher position or at a high position to network them, to connect them. Because our our vocation mm -hmm. is just littered with men. And in many ways, no matter what she says in her book, that women will not have the opportunity and they can't fight it alone. They need other men to come alongside of them to really give them the platform or to at least cheerlead them, network them to other other opportunities and to other men and other organizations so that they can have an op a greater opportunity to serve and advance God's kingdom in the church and so forth. Do you agree with that or do you disagree with that? So we'll go for it. I'm not a woman in ministry. <laughs> well, you, you, you did do ministry though for uh, five years. No, you know, it's it's like the knee jerk reaction in me wants to say, kind of repeat what the Sunita just said and say, what man can stand in the way between what God has called me? Or not that it's standing in the way, but why would I need, if God's called me to this, why do I need the help of men specifically to help me? But then there's also the part of me that feels like, there have definitely been times in my life, not just in ministry, but in general, where the ally ship, is that a word, of a man definitely held value. So I'm kind of torn about it. And I, I feel like Sunita kind of alluded to this before when she was talking about how there are pastors who kind of don't, are not aware of their power or maybe don't care too much to use their power mm. and privilege to kind of reach out to women and kind of bring them back up. So. Do you want to talk about because it does tie in with what you were saying earlier right yeah yeah i think it's important because we just have to be honest that like ministry is still predominantly i'll say this titled leadership in ministry right mm -hmm. because women mm -hmm. we know that yeah. women are much more prevalent in the yeah. church but in terms of power and position it's more it's mostly men and so men have to do the work of saying yep. how do we um how do we make space how do we leave mm -hmm. room how do we mentor women to give them these opportunities yes like, you know, it, it's not going to happen unless somebody is is willing to do it. And and that's the, the challenge for men, because men will say, I support women in ministry. Right. But are they actually going to do the work of supporting? Yes. Especially if it means they have to possibly compete against now women as well. Yeah. You know, it, mean, it possibly may mean that they don't get a certain position because now a woman and I think a lot of times, pe I mean, I can't speak for men, but I think this is just the way power works sometimes is that uh, when you feel like you have to lose something for others to gain it, it's, it becomes a whole different question than just saying, well, of course I care about women in ministry. Of course I believe in it. Okay, but do you believe in it enough where you might have to lose some of that power and privilege you've had all of your career? That's right. right. That's right. 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 It's not easy to do that, honestly. And I, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you're a senior pastor or a male pastor um, and you say that you're for women in ministry, I guess my challenge for you is what have you actually done 
to make that to like to be a great advocate for that. Um, are, are you just saying that? Is it just more rhetoric or is it actually something where you are mentoring women pastors, where you are uh, giving them opportunities uh, to preach at your church um, or giving them opportunities to recommend them to speak at other places? What are we doing? Because I, I do feel like what Katie Cole is saying is something really important because she says that she couldn't have rose to the level that she has risen in terms of in terms of in terms of her talent, in terms of what she knew and her ability. 100%. She had all the skills mm -hmm. to do it. But she said what it required also was for a few men to endorse and, and to advocate for her. And that's what allowed her to excel in the way she has. And so this is a woman who really has thought this through. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. So I do think that for men, uh, particularly uh, pastors who are advocates for women in ministry, it's more than you just saying it. What are you doing to make that happen? And are you willing to surrender your power or give up some of your power so that they can grow and uh, and grow in their leadership, uh, whether it's in your church or other places? Are you willing to give up a speaking engagement for the sake of another person, uh, for another woman? I, mean, I guess things like that. So what are we doing? For men and women, if you guys want to read this book, I think it would be great. Katie Cole wrote, wrote a book called Developing Female Leaders. The other thing she's shared, which I thought was really interesting, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Sunita, and she said that a men's conference, like a like a male's like, you know, conference leadership conference versus a women's leadership conference. She says so different in many ways. That she said when she goes to men's conferences, you know, like even though she's a woman, she says that men, they bring in the best like speakers and talk really about leadership. Uh, to really hone their skills to get better. She says that's not really the case with with women conferences. She says in her in her experience, so much of it is trying to deal with some of the hurt and the pains that women have gone through. And she said, like, another thing that really takes her aback is that so many, like, activities are centered around massages, you know, like pajama nights, like, things like that, saying that, like, women also have to realize that they, like, men... One of, the, one of the ways in which they're so far ahead is that when they have conferences, they're intentional about learning and honing their leadership gifts. And she was saying that in, in her book, she was saying that one of the things that women have to realize is that when they have conferences, it shouldn't just be let's get together and have fun, care for each other, make each other feel well, which is important, but let's make sure that we're learning and honing our leadership gifts. And she's saying that's what's sorely lacking in women conferences versus men conferences. What do you think about that? Sandra? I feel like men need to take a break though and maybe socialize a little more and maybe the statistics <laughs> on male depression and isolation would go down a little bit well yeah uh, definitely you know what i mean i mean yeah. sorry i just have to put that out there I, I feel like men do need to learn though how to do this maybe they need some more pajama parties and, well men, men need um, to well i i don't know about that hearing but I think about their men, hurt men need i'm not to, i'm not joking i'm serious no i well, no. The, what men need is they need to know how to be intimate they don't know how to be intimate right and, and pajama that's parties major, yeah yeah uh, so I think that's a major issue and uh, they don't and men would just rather learn how to be like a great leader and they would love to learn like, you know, things to, to improve, you know, hone their skills and stuff like that. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. But, you know, Sunita as, and even Sue, as you guys have been through different conferences and and, uh, you know, women conferences, what do you think about what Katie said there? Do you agree or do you disagree with what she says? I totally agree. I think I've seen it all the time. You know, there's a lot more. I, I, well, I think women come with so much baggage. Like, I don't know what men come with when they come to a leadership conference. Like, I just yeah. don't know. Hidden but, like, baggage. I feel like when you talk to women, they come with so much baggage. You know, like, if they're mm. a 
they're like, oh my gosh, like I just dropped my kid off. Like, I hope they're okay. The, you know, the babysitter's calling me. I, I had to, I had to make 10 dinners, you know, for my, you know, for my family. Yeah. While I was away because like my husband can't function. So like, there are all these things that I feel like women come with when they come to these spaces that they, that part of it is sort of like decompression, self-care, <laughs> like take care yeah. of yourself yeah. so that you can lead. But I do um, agree with our point that we miss the sharpening of some like very important sort of executive skills, if you will, yeah. Yeah. in that, because we are, we are trying to do the work of self-care at the same time that we're trying to teach people how to be better leaders. And I think it's really hard. So I do agree with you that we probably do need to like, there probably are more I haven't seen many conferences that actually deal with sort of like the executive leadership type skills that you would see at a men's conference. But to, you know, to Sue's point, you know, men could use some emotional health too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not like they don't have baggage. I just feel like their baggage is very suppressed um, and they don't, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, well, that's the baggage though. I mean, the baggage is we would just rather learn skills like on being a better leader than trying to be a better person. I mean, not to like go off topic, but I had somebody ask me after the Soulmates episode aired, because she was a woman and she was mm. actually not even a Christian, but she was saying, I don't feel like I have that many secrets in my life. Um, and so I'm not really sure if when Pastor Peter says, you know, I have all these secrets and they need to come out to like, and she asked me like, do you feel like you have secrets? And I said, I don't think I really have secrets either. And part of her, her questioning was, do you think that not that all women and all men are this way, but because of the way women socialize and a lot of yeah. our priorities are, we do, when we get together, we talk about our lives. Like we talk about yeah. the stuff we're going yeah. through. We talk about our yeah. families. Yeah. Whereas when men get together, a lot of times it's like activities yep. related. Like we yep. watch sports together, yep. you know, we play golf together. So it's very activities based and there's yeah. not a lot of that sharing going on. Yeah. She was asking, do you feel like it's something that is a, the dynamic looks a little bit different between men and women where versus like where women when they hang out it's kind of a built-in system whereas for men sure. it's really out of their comfort zone to have to share things that are intimate details of their lives and their feelings for example yeah and i yeah. feel like this plays in here too well so I, I would say yes and no to that but i would say that the area that women really lack in is they don't like to give feedback to each other and that that's a, a good point that's that that's the point. difference between just sharing and having a soulmate because a soulmate gives you feedback. And, and you know, I don't think women can just say, well, you know what, like, you know, like we, I share, I don't have secrets. It's not just about secrets. It's about will you get feedback on areas where mm. you lack and you need to grow in? Like, are you comfortable? And I think a lot of women don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear feedback. And a lot of women don't want to give that kind of feedback to people that they even That's love fair. and are close to. I certainly Because do. they're afraid of rejection. <laughs> right. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think women also struggle with intimacy as well. Like, at a certain level. Just because you share it doesn't mean it's it's that you, that you yeah, I think you're able to to sort of like, you know, kind of release yourself. You know, like release the the valve when, when it's like, when the heat is just getting too hot and you let the steam out. I think women have a much better way and how they can handle that than men do. But I think also women struggle just as much as men in terms of giving feedback. But I would say differently about men. Men don't have a problem giving feedback, I think. You know, I don't know about in, when they share stuff very intimately, um, but I realize with men, because naturally, we're kind of wired like that, we're solutions-oriented. And so I think like if men actually did this and shared more, 
I think the great thing was that they would be okay because I think men are more open to sharing, giving feedback um, to one another, which I think could really work well. But men just don't want to do this. They don't want to get deeper. They don't want to share their emotions and things like that. So anyway, yeah. So I think that would that's something there. But uh, but it's really interesting. So. But the other thing I was talking to, so one time years and years ago, I was talking to Angela Robinson, who yeah. is one of the, um, she's at Metro, right? Yes. She, okay. She used to be on staff when I was on staff and we were, I have to be sensitive about saying this in a way that doesn't sound critical, but we were talking about the women's ministries and why it was, we were kind of laughing about why mm. does every woman's ministry have to have a tea party? Like what? It's it's just funny. Mm. Like I was like, it's such a thing, you know, like Well, that's tea exactly party. what Katie Cole was saying in her book. Um, yeah. But why can't we do something different? Yes. Or, you know, like it's like it's like Elizabethan times again. Like we're going to have tea and work on our crocheting or whatever. I don't know, like needlepoint. Like it, it's very traditional. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with traditions and things like that. But if it's in addition to leadership conferences yeah. or how to sharpen ourselves. But I feel like a lot of times women's ministries are reduced to just that, you know, just yep. socializing, having tea, having, you know, sharing about ourselves, like things like this. And I definitely see that pattern. And yeah, is it, I don't think it's biblical, right? It's probably cultural. Is it Absolutely. something that's coming out yep. of culture, culture where women were categorized as people who you know, we, it's not a priority for women to learn leadership, right? And in fact, some may say it's unbiblical for women to learn about leadership. So it's a bit sad. It really. is. How can yeah. we change that? Well, I remember when I was looking at seminaries, and I can't remember which school it was, but it's a school in Texas. And I didn't know anything when I was looking at seminaries. And so I'm like, kind of going around, and I only looked at the seminary because I have friends who live in Texas. And um, so I'm looking at the seminary, and the old, not women could do two things. Well, three things. They could do children's ministry, hmm. women's ministry, or the pastor's wives track. Yeah. Oh my Lord. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a pastor's wives track. A pastor's wives track. It was That's a pastor's crazy. wives track. Oh my gosh. And you know, like high on That's mind blowing. you know, oh my high, gosh. You know, what is in the pastor's wives track? I'm so curious now. Hospitality. <laughs> Is and like supporting is? your husband's vision and like leading oh women's Lord. ministry and helping oh women, you know, no, you know, oh a casserole for when you have small group at your house. And wow. That's sad. Words. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, so, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so if we can just, you know, shift a little bit here, you know, Sunita, that time when, I came into your office a couple of years ago and I asked that you would forgive me because I had gotten, you know, jealous and kind of, you know, upset, you know, that you were being asked to speak at all these church planning conferences and so forth. And, and, um, you know, and you forgave me, which I was so grateful for, but then you prayed for me. And in that prayer, like God just showed me something really important about your role. Your role, I thought, uh, when he, what he showed me was uh, it was supposed to be so much more significant than mine because part of what your role is is for you to teach men and women how to draw closer to God and that God was going to use your voice because, you know, I think more and more because this, you know, the church and pastors, uh, the, it's still very, very male-dominated. And I, I just really felt like God was calling you to, to have a voice where you're going to teach men and women how to draw closer to Jesus and how to become better uh, Christians. And I just thought that was such an amazing calling. Uh, so I want to just ask you, you know, as a Christian, as a pastor, as a leader, what has been like, like what has been your, your, just your key things that you have really done 
to keep you grounded, but not just grounded, but to help you to continue to excel and succeed you know, the way you are right now. Um, help, help Christians, help Christian men and women um, just kind of learn from you. Like, what are some things that have just been like, these are my go-to. Like, without these things, I can't even like, I won't be able to do anything. Mm. What are some of those things? I think we all need to know. It's not just women, but men need to learn from you as well. Kind of how do you stay so grounded, you know, um, the way you are? I mean, how, I mean, listen, you went to the best Ivy League schools this country has to offer and you're so humble about it. You know, like it's, it's almost like, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's not even a thing for you, you know, and stuff, but you stay truly humble and grounded. Uh, you could certainly become very arrogant about it. You know, you can, you know, it's a, but, but that's not an option for you. So share with us, what has been some of your spiritual axioms, some of the things that have really helped you to, to be who you are today? Um, I'm not sure if this is a spiritual axiom, but like I give my family all the credit for keeping me grounded um, because there is no, you know, family is a humbling place, right? So I'm not say, married. When you say family, like who? Like who Who in your family? It's not intentional. It's all of them, right? Family <laughs> is humbling, you know? So like I still have, you know, I'm an adult and, you know, family members will still, you know, um, tell me about how they used to change my diaper, right? So, <laughs> like, there's like, no, <laughs> yeah, for all the law school training you have, like, don't forget that, you know, I still change your diaper. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yep. I think having family around who do not care about those things. Mm. They're proud of me, they love me, but that, it does not matter to them. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think in a, in, a, in a family where people have different gifts, people have different um, uh, opportunities, like having those people around you who say, I love you no matter what, but you know, you belong to us and I belong to them. Yeah. Right? So I don't, I don't want to take anything away from their experience and their life either. Right. And they, I think they pour into me lots of humility. Right? Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. well, well, that's, that's really important because you choose to really connect with those family members. Right. And so I think audience, what, what she's saying is that you got to connect with people who really just love you for just who you are not what you can give to them or, you know, what you have, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's really key. I think that's huge because if you connect with people that just love you because they're enamored by who you are, you know, and stuff like that, you know, Sunita, I know that there are dozens and dozens of people that will love to be your friends at our church and just be like a part of your inner circle. Like part of it is because you're this pastor, you're a spectacular person. And I'm not saying that's not bad. That's a, that's a, that's good that they want to be in that circle. But I think for you, you have to protect yourself because while you can let some of those people in, you're saying like w the ones that you really draw close to, they got to be people who are not going to care if you're a pastor or yeah. graduate at these schools. They just love you for just who you are. And that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. No pretension. They just love me. Um, I think another, as I've gotten older, I think what has really been important to me is remembering the foundation of my faith that I grew up in, hmm. right? Just really staying grounded. Because I think we can get, I think I can get very caught up in sort of like what's new and what's flashy. And I just have to go back to my basics, right? Reading yeah. my Bible, prayer, memorizing scripture, you know, singing worship songs, singing hymns. I am falling more in love with hymns mm -hmm. as I get older. I feel like an old person now. Like I'm saying all the church cliches now. Same. Because they're so true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about um, my family members and like other people who are, who are older than me and the wisdom that they have poured into me. And I'm like, they were right. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I had listened more <laughs> before. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're so right. Um, and so it's been really important for me to just go back to the basics. That's right. Stick to the basics. Um, that's been that's been super, super helpful for me. And at the same time, it sounds contradictory, but it's not. But at the same time, be a constant learner. You know, Pastor mm-hmm. Peter, you always make fun of me because like you're saying, you always tell me that me and Ansi, we love conferences. Like we're always reading something. We just love to learn. But I think that's important. You know, yeah. to your point about how do you gain those skills? How do you, how do you do ministry differently? How do you offer people the best that you can about yourself and about others? Yeah. Is to constantly be learning. You know, I'm constantly reading something. I'm constantly like Googling something on a YouTube clip or a TED talk or something um, to be a constant learner. Do you know who has such a love-hate relationship with conferences? Pastor Peter. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I hate one time I went to a conference with Pastor Peter with a bunch of our Jack, like original members. And oh, no. um, and then Pastor Peter is like, hey, guys, I think today we should ditch this class, the plenary. Can we go watch a movie instead? And Randy was like, Randy Pratt was like, I'm going to the conference. Oh, oh man. <laughs> No, I don't have a love-hate relationship with conferences. I hate conferences. Oh, you just hate them? <laughs> I just, okay. I just don't like being in conferences. I was trying to help you out a little no, bit. No, no, but... I just, it, it's, I'm like that all the time. I do that all the time because, like, I think part of that is my ADHD. It's like, and it's just so hard sometimes to stay focused, you know, and just <laughs> like, hear somebody. Like, we did somebody... not fly to Indiana to watch a movie. <laughs> So I don't even remember that I, I told him. Yeah, Randy, Randy was Randy. so appalled. Randy was like, you guys can do whatever you want. I'm going to the plenary session. Yeah, so I had to go too because I felt bad. He made me feel so guilty. He's so The guy is just, a, I mean, he's a learner, another another Ivy League grad, right? He's such a learner. So you MIT want to go is and technically learn. not an Ivy League. It's not? Oh, okay. no. Anyway. But it's so, not, you know, right, Sunita? It's not. No. is like, heck no, man. Harvard is, all right? Harvard <laughs> is the Ivy League of Ivy Leagues, all right? Yale, Princeton. Yeah, like L. Woods went there. So, yeah. you know, it's I good. I Legally Blonde, by the way. It is I legal. love Legally Blonde. <laughs> Anyone who does not like Legally Blonde, like, I question your entire being. That was a good Great. movie. That was a good movie. He's okay. pretending. He's pretending. No, <laughs> it was. He doesn't want me to question I, his entire being. I, I don't know if I would watch it again. Uh, but, what? you know, it was one of those once in a lifetime movies for me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I watched an amazing movie recently on Apple TV. You guys got to watch it. Coda. You got to watch Coda. What's Coda? Coda is Child of Death Adults. And it Wait, went on. Say that again. <laughs> Child of Death Adults. What does death, that mean? Death. Death. That means you have death parents. Oh, death. 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 Oh. Death. Oh. Death. <laughs> Sorry. Like, you know, that doesn't you, make sense. Like, grammatically, that, saying, that doesn't make sense. You're saying it wrong. Sense. You're saying it wrong. Child but, of death adults. I thought I it was death. what you were saying. I was like, what? Oh, not death, I was like, death, is this death. anime? D- like, I'm so D-E-A-F, adults, okay? So, but right. it won an Oscar this year, guys. It won an Oscar. You got to watch it. It will blow you away. It I feel was like child of death adults sounds more compelling, to be honest. Okay, well, it's called Coda, but it was an excellent, <laughs> excellent movie. Highly recommend you watch it. Um, um, you know, for that. So, you know, Cindy, I have a couple extra, a uh, couple extra questions, extra questions for you that I like to ask you. Um, so, you're 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 uh, a, an excellent communicator, preacher. What do you do to hone your skills? Is it just something that's natural that you don't really have to work at? You know, help the pastors right now that are struggling that may not be strong communicators like you. What would be like one or two things that you could encourage them with where they can become better at preaching, at communicating? Study other pastors. Okay. Ooh. Good. 
So I, there are a couple that I really admire and um, for different things, yeah. right? And I, I listen to them often. Good. And sometimes I'm listening not just for the, um, the content, right? Like the actual spiritual growth, but sometimes I'm listening for like what they are doing, the mechanics. Mm. Interesting. That's right. Um, I still go to preaching conferences if I have time to. Yes, or you do. Make available, um, because I do think that it's a one of the things that my former pastor said to me. He said that ministry is a profession, the same way everything else is. And that really stuck with me because he said, if you were a doctor, you would, you know, you go to medical school, you do continuing education. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think if I, I take it that seriously. So I think if somebody wants to be a good preacher, you find preachers that you like, that you believe are effective in communicating the gospel yes. and that you study them, but it also has to be your own voice. So what's been difficult for me is. And I think this is probably difficult for, you know, you too, Pastor Peter, like finding your own voice. Yep. And even as I'm listening to other people, mm -hmm. I'm learning how to also find my voice. What's authentic to me? Some of the stuff that Pastor Peter says, I would never dare say. <laughs> like he goes so far out there. I was like, I'm not that vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't have enough sins to share, Sunita. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sunita. Just let's just be honest, Sunita. You don't got the. <laughs> you don't I mean, have enough I mean, to your, share. Your crime was in college when you opened up a dryer's, you know, door. That, that that's <laughs> didn't even touch crime, the clothes. Okay? She just opened the door. Yeah, yeah. She just opened yeah. it. I would have like thrown a pair of drawers in the underwear, <laughs> like in the garbage. That's what I would have done. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think finding it was because, you know. um, like what I, and I still wrestle with this sometimes, but I ha had to remind myself and other people have reminded me too, that God called me knowing who I am. Hmm. And so there's something particular about God's specific calling to each person. And that that has to be authentic yeah. to them. Yeah. So like Pastor Peter's level of vulnerability is not authentically mine. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, and he stretches me. Right. He stretches me to be more vulnerable yeah. in my preaching. But I know that I can never go out there like in the deep end the way he is, because that's just not authentically who I am. So um, so that's what I would say. I would say, like, study other preachers and, you know, really search for your authentic voice in, in preaching. And listen so, to the Yeah, no, but that's I, I just for the pastors that are listening and for the young preachers, especially, I just I want you to know something because, you know, Sunita is really a gifted gifted preacher and sometimes i think pastor would just say well oh, well you know what she just has the gift i just want you to know that she works hard she goes to conferences you know she listens to preachers she studies the art of communicating and i do think that's so important if you're just if you're a pastor and you're not doing anything to grow in that area of preaching uh, i think it's it's you're going to get handicapped and and the best i think one of the best things we've done sunita at our church is that we have sermon practice we have sermon prep on wednesdays yeah. and you have to preach your sermon if you're preaching the sunday you have to preach it to the pastors and then they give you feedback to help it make it better right yeah. i just think these are some of the things that, that are going to help but i think the, the the most important thing you said though sunita was the voice every preacher needs to find their voice and so it's great to listen to preachers that are that you relate to that you feel like are great communicators but how are they going to help you find your voice and i don't think every preacher every pastor has found their voice uh, they're still trying to find it and that's okay it's going to come if you if you just keep preaching it's going to eventually come and it's going to set in but you got to work really hard you can't just sit back and think, okay, I'm just going to let God and the Holy Spirit speak through me. That's important, 
but you got to work really hard at the at the profession that God has called you to do. And I want to encourage our pastors who are who who preach weekly that they have to put a lot of work and emphasis into it, and uh, so that they can hone their craft. I think that was so good, so good. I think it's <clears throat> kind of misleading because when we hear, or at least the first time I heard Sunita preach, which was the first time John heard Sunita preach. Which was what did he we say? What did, what did John say to you? You know what he said. No, no, say, just say it. You want me to it. say it? John, yes, John yes. was like, oh, she's definitely going to be better than Pastor Peter. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wasn't saying in the future. Tonight. I think she said. Oh, did he say he's already better than Pastor Peter? No, no, no. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe said, I softened the blow. Yeah, no, you but said, you know, I after Pastor Peter shared that um, very vulnerable story about, um, you know, having to kind of repent of his feeling jealous, I recently jokingly brought something to him because I thought he was completely over it, but I could tell he was not completely over it because my, my brother-in-law who, who has been attending Metro, he said, I said, Hey, who's your like favorite preacher on the <laughs> preaching team? And he goes, listen, Sua, you know, Pastor Peter has my heart. You know, he's like the OG, like I have a soft spot for him, but I have to say, Sunita is <laughs> my favorite. And Pastor Peter Sunita, did not take it very well. Sunita, he definitely you, looked a little pain. Sunita, God has placed you in my life to humble me. <laughs> I mean, you are the Some humbler. Some people have family. Some people have person. Sunita, you know, exactly. to humble us. So your family humbles you. God's placed you in my life to humble me. Because that's that's the rhetoric I hear all the time. Listen, I want to meet your brother-in-law, by the way. I got, I got to, he's got to come well, and no, say No, so he, me. I mean, he thinks Sunita's amazing. But remember, John, but the, okay, the point I was trying to make was, I remember when she preached and John was like, holy crap, like she's a natural. Like that's what he said. And yeah. I think, but I think that's a bit misleading though, because yeah. it kind of, um, diminishes the fact that she has worked at this so yep. much. Yep. And you were at, from you telling me this, I would never have known just watching you on Sunday preach or watching you preach at a conference. I would never know the kind of work that you do in the background to keep honing your craft and to get better and better because I just watch you preach and say, wow, she just woke up like this. Like God yep. just gave it yep. to her yep. and it was, yep. you know, a providential thing and that's it. It's divine. But I, I really, I'm so like I'm so impressed and I'm so, I don't know, like I'm so mind blown that there's so much work that goes yeah. behind the scenes where you're constantly going to conferences, constantly listening to and analyzing other preachers and working to find your voice and improving your voice. And this is so amazing to me. Like I'm so, wow, like that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I just want to encourage all of our male and female pastors, you have to do the same thing. God, if, if God's called you to be a preacher, if you're a senior pastor of your church and you are preaching regularly in front of your congregation, like you have to. I mean, so like when you watch like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and these guys play basketball, like they look, it's just, it looks effortless sometimes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they've put so much practice and work mm -hmm. into this, so much training. They've, they, they eat a special diet. They do everything to perform yeah. at the level at which they're performing at. Yeah. No matter what, preaching is not a performance, but we have to do our part. God will do his part. He will always do his part. But if we don't do our part, we're going to be terrible preachers. And our part is we have to work. We have to work at our craft. We have to get better. God will do his part, but we must do our part. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you. And if that's you're not just for preaching. It's for, no, like for any gift that do. God has given you. Yeah. But for, for, but for the pastors who are listening, get feedback on your sermon. You know, you got to have some 
thick skin to hear that and just say what you know and get get your staff to evaluate and give you input listen to different preachers go to preaching conferences read books on preaching you know there are a lot of books on preaching that you can read on and i think those are just really important things all right but uh, sunita the last thing i have I, I have one more question before we end and we need to invite you for another show so that you can talk we, we need to talk about justice because that's where you and sua will just take off you know, to another one level. One of us more than the other. Yeah, one of us a little bit. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> one right. of us who went to Harvard so, more so than the other. Uh, you know, so, so listen, Sua is the OG yes. at Metro, but you are Sua on steroids. So that's what we like. I think I already said that she's categorically her own thing. Well, and, and, she's like, Sunita's like plutonium. Like, well, there's nothing else to compare her with. She's her you, own substance under listen, herself. Listen, no uh, other comparison. You know what? And she's got much nicer arms than you. Have you ever seen Sunita's arms? It, Everything about Sanita. Oh Look how God. beautiful she is. Sanita, I, I used the whole package. I still remember one time you were sitting in my office and, you, <laughs> and it was a hot day. You were wearing like a sleeveless shirt. And were we you were intimidated? Talking, and I was just like, Sanita, I'm sorry, but I just I can't stop looking at your arms. I've never seen shoulders so defined like that. Like her, she's so, okay, like we, her we shoulders. Need to be very careful anyway. how we word okay. things. Anyway, so, so this, so, so just, like, can okay, we let me like, like so fine? Can we please? So for people who don't know, Metro, I have never been at a church that was so like exercise conscious, right? <laughs> yes, that is true. Pastor Peter goes and he's like working out at like 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, doing these crazy, like these crazy <laughs> workouts and, and all that stuff. I, just, but I still don't have arms like yours. At the time, I was doing kickboxing. At the it time, was oh. Yeah. The residuals are still there. You're still you're still pretty jacked, which is pretty amazing. It's but anyway, amazing. all right. So, so all right. But I just I, this is such a very uh, serious question, <laughs> you know. So I, I I know we're joking around, but we got to end with a real on a serious note. So Sunita, you've been through quite a bit of trauma in your life, right? You you know you lost a mom when you were younger and so forth. Um, you know, typically when people go through trauma, and I'm not going to share all your trauma, you know that you've that you've gone through in your life. But our typical tendency for those who have gone through trauma is that we tend to find our identities being a victim. And that's very dangerous to find your identity as a victim. And sometimes you just can't help it because if you've gone through a lot of loss and a lot of you know, trauma, you tend to kind of find your identity being a victim. What does that mean? That means basically anything that happens to you, somebody like says something to you that might be a bit hurtful, you constantly think that you're a victim, that they're hurting, that it's their fault and that they're abusing you. Um, how have you in spite of all the trauma that you have gone through, how have you not been, how have you not been, how have you been so strong at not finding your identity as a victim, preventing yourself from doing that, which is great. You know, I think we can say that we've been victimized, but you're not a victim. Sina, how have you gotten there? Um, I mean, to be quite honest, I do think it's a struggle, right? There are times when I feel like I have, um, you know, like I had these false starts where I like I want to do something or I try to do something and I just can't get myself to do it. So I do wrestle with that. And I think that having people around you, I, I say this, like, I can't say it enough. Having good people around you who speak into your life and yeah. call it and name it for what it is, mm -hmm. or telling me like you're procrastinating or you know what you need to do. You need to just do it. And they hold me accountable to those things. Mm -hmm. And I also think, um, you know, not to sound like so cliche, 
but it really is relying on like God right? yeah. and really remembering like, this is not who he has called me to be. Right. Mm. Um, mm. So Jeremiah 29, 11, right. Yeah. Surely I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans for your welfare and not for harm to give your future with hope. Right. There, there, there's a, there's, there's a, a hopefulness and a yeah. future that God has that is mm. um, bigger than the moment that we live in right now. Yeah, Having people around you who constantly remind me of that and also being reminded of that through the Holy Spirit. Mm. There is a future and there is a hope that is beyond this moment. Mm. And I also think it comes, I, I feel like I'm at that age now where I always say it's about getting older too, right? If you live long enough, you yeah. will experience something that will bring you to your knees and will... Um, and you have a choice. You can stay there or you can get up. Yeah. Um, and, and I really believe that God has, has a hope and a future for me and has hope and a future for everyone. Like if, if we woke up this morning, there's something more that God wants to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. See, you know, lastly, I'm just going to ask, do you think you struggle? Do you, do you struggle a little bit with insecurity at all or no? Oh yeah. You do? Yeah. Yeah, you know, because it would like honestly, like I, I would say no to that. I, I don't think you struggle much with insecurity. I, th I think it could be relative, but, uh, but you know, um, but yeah, just I mean, just uh, the fact that you just said yes to that um, is interesting. But, uh, but yeah, but I, I think you know when I see you, you know, when I see somebody who struggles with insecurity, there are people who like to find a lot of their identity in their achievements. And you're not like that, Sunita. You don't find your identity in your achievements. And I think one of the, one of the greatest symptoms of people who struggle with low self-esteem is they find their their identity in in uh, in the stuff they've achieved. But I don't see that in you. I don't see that in you at all, actually. You know, and stuff. So I never see you boast. You know, for something. Oh, Sunita, I got a great question before we end. <laughs> you have like, said this like three times. Okay. Or Sunita's like, this is the last question. All right, this is the last question. Like, Sunita, like share with us, her. like, other than you graduating from Harvard Law, whatever, like, share with whatever. us like, a great achievement, like, like a great win for you, like a great achievement that you're kind of other proud than of. her fine arms. What? Other than <laughs> listen, those are not everyone great. can get those fine arms. Quote, they quote, are they are arms. they are seriously impressive. All right. Other than you graduating from Harvard and you having ripped arms, um, any anything that anything that you want to share with us that you have like truly you know like you did something and you're like wow I'm really proud of that. And this might be hard for you to answer because you, you don't really think about things like that. But you know I just I thought maybe it'd be good for you for you to share it. Let our audience continue to know like you know that you're not somebody who finds their identity and their achievements, which I think is huge. Which I think is really huge. Um, I think I feel bad because it's like an academic achievement, but, um, don't feel bad. <laughs> Sue, Sue, Sue was on the same boat too. So I'm the I don't have any academic achievements. All right. So, so come on, come on. Tell me about your academic. So, what, what was it? So I will, I won an award. No. So I, I graduated, um, Duke magna cum laude. Dang. But here's the thing that what, was, is that so, number one in your class? No, 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 no. Like What's there's still Suma above me. There's still Suma. Suma I think it, I, Suma, that's like a 3.75 and above, right? Wait, wait. Suma is above Magna? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then there's so, just regular cum laude, which is <laughs> Clearly, just... because I've never achieved in academics, <laughs> I have no idea what these are. So I'm like, okay. You Suma, got tassels, Magna, okay. right? Did you get special tassels to wear? Not in, not in seminary. Oh. Um, I guess they're trying but, to be humble. Yeah. So, but, so <laughs> what was funny about it is that like they, 
they had us all, this was like graduation day. Yeah. We're all sitting in, you know, all the seminary students are sitting in the chapel and they are announcing like the people. And so they're going through their, they're calling names and they said my name. And I was like, what? But you and didn't like, know? What? <laughs> like, I was like, what? You didn't know you were graduating with <laughs> no. honors? Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. No. That is, it's it was, so telling too. Yes, I had no clue. I had no idea. And, um, but oh I'm, you know, but what I'm proud of, what I'm really proud <laughs> oh God. of. God. No, 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 no. So no. you're not even proud that you graduated magna cum laude. That's okay. not what she's proud of. Okay, okay, what are you proud of? But what would I was really, really <laughs> proud of about that? Like, I was, I was obviously like proud because I was like, I've never done this before. I'm dying this here. And I didn't even know. But, um, like, we had a study group in seminary. All right. And like, we were intense. And <laughs> and I was always the one who was like holding everybody together. I was like, come on, we gotta like get on this stuff. We gotta do this stuff. Um, and everybody was so happy for me. Aww. And that was like, we felt like, it felt like a joint win. You know what I mean? And were you the only one though? I think it was a mix. Like there were some people who were like cum laude. Okay. Um, okay. People, there was one guy in particular who was summa, but it felt like a joint win. Mm. And, and that was exciting. That was, you, it was exciting. Have, I didn't know what was going to happen, but it also, it felt like a joint. So win. you have elevated your status to another level of holiness because you <laughs> didn't know, find much joy <laughs> in graduating magna cum laude. She didn't even know. She didn't even that, know she was. I didn't know. You, 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 you found more joy that everyone, the group really came together and they, and they were very happy for you. Uh, that just we can't make this stuff up. You guys, we smokes, can't. Man. Why the, why? This is why you're incomparable. Okay, so that's you really can't make cool. this stuff up because clearly I, mean, I, I can also listen. be exciting that I, like I went through my kickboxing program really well, but that was a long you know, time. You know what? You know what would be even better? I want to see you compete. I think you need to compete. You think you should do like MMA oh, or something? Well, you know they have me doing. They have me playing football. Yeah, I, but I oh, think are you playing need, football? No, 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 no. You need to pray for me that I don't hurt myself. No, Sunita, I think you should do MMA. I, I think you can. I can. can I think you can put not. a world of hurting on people. I think. I think you can beat up some people real good. I, I, that would be. I would go and watch your matches. Uh, you know, we did a self defense class, um, and we did a video and uh, at Master Doug's dojo, and I saw Sunita kick and punch. I was like, Was she for oh serious? My God, yeah, super serious. I was like, Dang. somebody give her an MMA contract because she's going to put a hurting on somebody. That <laughs> is the MMA pastor. <laughs> That's like a legit thing. That could be a new thing. Oh man. Listen, if I, if, if I, listen, if I was graduating magna cum laude, trust me, I would know it months in advance, like weeks in advance. And I would be telling everyone. I don't understand how she didn't know. How do you not know? Like, do you not look at your grades? I'm graduating magna cum laude. And you had no See, this idea. is the weird thing for me. Clearly you cared <laughs> enough about your grades to be in a study group. Yes. Right. That was very intense. That's right. And yet you weren't actually tracking your grades. I think I, I'm, I was tracking them, but I wasn't looking at them cumulatively. You know, like I was like, oh, yeah. Because the yeah. honors don't matter. It only matters that you did as well as you could. 
It yeah. wasn't about like the honor bestowed upon you. Like that was irrelevant to you. It was more like you doing what you need to do well, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the focus. Yeah. So and once again, she is the holiest of holies. <laughs> right, right. Because she doesn't find her identity. She doesn't care about the external. She's reward. she's not focused. Yeah. She it's doesn't just have OCD the internal. About her grades. She's just like, no, I just want to do well, you know. But like again, that's the that's the approach, right? That's the approach. You work hard. Unbelievable. You work hard, and you just let the results. Like she's like, what? Results. Like it's hard. Yeah. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> it was hard. Oh man, Sunita, this is crazy. It was. Wait, so what was harder? Sorry, I just have a question. What no was goal. harder, law school or seminary? Oh, seminary. law school. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hey, did you really? Seminary is harder because seminary is emotional in a way that law school. Huh. What? So, like wow. in law school, I have no words for this. Well, no, because because here's the thing. Like I say this all the time. In seminary, if you disagree with your professor, you feel like it is like an indictment on your faith. Like there's something mm. wrong with you. Mm. Like, oh, this is, you know, um, law school, it's hard. It's definitely super, super hard, but you're not emotionally invested in it. Okay. You're not like, it doesn't feel like it's a part of your faith if you disagree okay. or if you get something wrong. But in seminary, you kind of feel like- It's personal. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah. It's like, yeah. is this- Am I being judged on my faith or That's like so my interesting? My so yeah, yeah. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But anyway, <laughs> Neither yeah. do I. Yeah, uh, Sunita, it's been so much fun having you on. You got to come on again. We should have like a, a justice episode. So can you promise you'll come back on one more time? Of course. All right, and then in that time, I want you to do something a little bit mischievous, so you can share. With the group, it. what it was, all right, that, that you kind of felt bad, and you know, it could be towards me, that's fine, okay. So, but we, <laughs> and you too, Sue, you got to figure something out. But let's say we want to thank everyone for listening. If you have any questions, any comments, any thoughts, maybe any questions even for Pastor Sunita, feel free to let us know. Go on uh, weekpastor.org, and we'd love to hear your comments and feedback, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Please tune in next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye.